Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. And welcome back to another episode of Other You. I'm your host, Dee. Today on the show, I have a technical writer and brand storyteller. Today's guest is host of the live streaming series, Mavens of Manufacturing, which covers a few things. It brings awareness to U.S. manufacturing, uh, recruitment of younger generations, it attracts more women to the fields, and it provides a platform for brands to present themselves and discuss things. Please welcome to the show, Megan Zimba. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you. So glad to have you. Glad to have you. How, uh, how are things? They're going really well. I have, uh, this past weekend, I had a couple friends over for brunch and I tried out some new recipes that were really good. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the 4th of July and Mm. things opening back up and getting back out into the real world and not being afraid to go out and talk to people Mm. and socialize. It's, it's been really well. Awesome. That's great. So uh, tell us a little bit about your live stream, please. Mavens of Manufacturing. Yeah, so Mavens of Manufacturing is a live video broadcast series that I started back in December. And it was really out of, you know, just me missing interviewing a bunch of different people. So I started out my career as a technical writer for a trade publication. And during that time, I was able to interview different companies and individuals and learn how their products were made and what value they were providing to their customers. And um, after leaving that for about seven years, I tried, you know, something different in higher education. And it wasn't really a lot of fun for me. It was actually kind of boring. So I decided to step back into manufacturing. And Mm. um, as I've been back into manufacturing and working with different companies helping with their brand storytelling. I, I noticed through conversations that I was having that there's this skills, skills gap right now. Mm-hmm. And there's also a gender gap. So women represent 50% of the workforce, but they're really only representing like 29 to 30% in manufacturing and engineering. Mm. And my daughter, who is a senior next year in high school, she is looking into getting involved in the medical industry but as a trauma nurse okay and a lot of our friends weren't talking about manufacturing or engineering as a career pathway and it just kind of made me wonder why mm-hmm. and so through all these conversations you know it's the same challenge that a, a lot of companies are having where they can't find the right skill sets to fill the positions that they have available and it's still predominantly men in these positions and within these companies so mm-hmm. i said you know i'm going to start this live broadcast series and focus on the women who are in the sector and they're doing these amazing things and hopes to attract younger generations, specifically females to the sector so that we can start closing that skills gap as well as the gender gap. Cool. That's great. Yeah. How, how, a lot of fun. <laughs> what's uh, what's um, some of the feedback you've gotten? Uh, ha- ha- like, have you been able to reach young ladies? Are yeah. They- yeah, so it's it's been a lot of fun. I did not expect it to blow up as it has. So back in December, I did book up until April. Wow. And now I'm getting more and more people involved. I was on a um, another podcast called The Tony Gun Show. And, you know, I've just been connecting with a lot of major influencers within manufacturing. And um, people have been reaching out to me and, you know, asking if they can share their story on Mavens. And even gentlemen have been reaching out to me and saying, hey, I really know, I know this really cool girl in manufacturing that's doing amazing things in the additive manufacturing space. You should really reach out to her and connect with her. And it's, it's been a really good response. And now I'm in the pre-planning process with another podcaster where we're planning on doing a nationwide tour um, in different communities. Yeah. In different communities and talking not to just students, but parents as well. And really focusing on those opportunities that a lot of people don't know even exist within the sector. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, cool. I'm excited. Cool beans. So check it out. The <laughs> Mavens of Manufacturing. Where can people find that? 
So you can go to mavensofmanufacturing.com and there is a link where you can connect to me if you want to schedule some time to learn more about the show or even schedule to be on the show. And I'm also on LinkedIn too. Excellent. Mavensofmanufacturing.com. Cool beans. Mm -hmm. All right. Excellent. So let's move on to the decision that you made where you saw and you can see in hindsight where there was a change. There, there has been effect that has lasted until now. What, what, what was that moment? So, um, I think there was really a change in my life when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter because I found out I was pregnant at 19. Okay. And I was in a position where I was at a four-year college. I was you know, flunking out, not really making the best decisions of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I got pregnant with my daughter and her dad actually signed over all of his rights and went his separate way. And I was really the only human being that she could rely on wow. to not really mess up her life. So um, I think that was a big moment of change for me because I had to make a decision on whether or not I was going to be a single mom Mm-hmm. You know, adoption was up on the table, and I just felt like, okay, this is my responsibility. I made a decision, and she's here now for a reason. So I need to get my life together and start taking life seriously so that I can provide for her and give her the best life that she deserves. So it was definitely the moment that I was found that I found out I was pregnant at nineteen. All right. So the decision was to be a mom to this child and not just give birth and maybe uh, give her up for adoption so that you could go on with doing the things that you had already set out to do before you found out you were pregnant, but instead to be intentional about rearing this child. Right. And is that your, your daughter who's about to graduate high school? Yeah. She's going to be 18 in December, which is crazy because I swear I had her like 27 minutes ago and (laughs) she's graduating next year. Oh my gosh. really crazy oh wow okay oldest daughter uh has has her father been in the picture at all ever or once he signed away rights did he just like disappear and now he doesn't exist no um so the last that i knew he moved to hawaii i believe oh wow yeah they've never met each other um Mm. she's asked questions about him um but again I can't answer those questions for Mm. her. So I do believe she has the intention to reach out. We have information for his family, but I just never felt obligated to reach out to them. Um, Okay. So, I mean, when she, she's thought about that decision and I think she's still thinking about it. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Alrighty. All right. So we have, 19 were you were in school right at the time yeah i was i was finishing up my second year at minnesota university of minnesota okay and you of minnesota what were you studying or what what were you planning to study then so when i first entered school i really wasn't studying anything in particular i was just trying to get all of my general course information out of the way okay um and then when I found out that I was pregnant, I made the decision to move back to Wisconsin, where I'm originally from, okay, and be closer to family. And I've always had a knack for writing. When I was in high school, I used to write a lot of poetry and creative stuff, but okay. that really doesn't necessarily pay the bills unless you're like the author of Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, <laughs> which I'm not that creative. So okay. I decided to focus more on the technical writing side of things and... That decision wasn't made until I transferred to Milwaukee in okay. Wisconsin. So it was really late in the game that I decided what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But so your your main focus at that moment when you found out you were pregnant was I'm just doing my generals. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing in life. I just want to do my generals right now. 
Yeah. And as I mentioned before, too, I was close to flunking out. So I was on academic probation two years in a row because I just was really in a dark place and making Mm. really bad decisions health-wise and um, just not going down the right pathway. So Mm. when I did find out I was pregnant with my daughter, I really needed to make a decision on whether or not I was going to continue down the dark side of things or... Mm basically change how I was living life and figure out a better option so that she was safe and not in a bad situation. Gotcha. Okay. How much, how much of that, um, dark side living, uh, was influenced by the young man that you were dating then? Was that the life that you two were building for each other in that moment where it was kind of destructive or was that like a, a byproduct of something else and he just happened to be who you were dating at the time? Um, that's a great question. I think decisions that I made prior to meeting him, um, where I just ended up meeting him, I think they were just kind of heightened by the fact that I was dating him. So it wasn't like the best relationship to be in. I think if maybe I was doing something else, rather than what I was doing in that moment, I might've been attracted to someone that was healthier for me. Okay. Um, but because I was in the situation that I was in and he happened to be there, that that we just clicked with what we were deciding to do. Gotcha. Health-wise, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Okay. Um, in case I put him in the story, I'm going to call him Carlton. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Carlton. That sounds good. All right. In case he <laughs> pops up. Because I think I think um, if he was a part of that facet of life for you in that moment where you, where things were on a destructive note, where you're on uh, academic probation, things are not going very well. You said you were making some poor health choices. Um, mm-hmm. were, were there, uh, was there like drugs and drinking involved? Or... Um. Yeah, so there was drinking involved, Mm -hmm. there was um, drugs involved, but not like heroin or anything. And then I am clinically depressed, so I've been diagnosed with clinical depression. Okay. At that time, I didn't know that I was suffering from depression. I just thought Mm. I was feeling like crap all the time because I believed I was a terrible person in that moment. Yeah. Uh, I ended up seeing like a therapist. For a lot of things, but what made me go see a therapist is because I was actually um, self-medicating myself through cutting. Okay. To, like, feel something. So yeah. it was just one bad thing after the other. And mm-hmm. then I met him, and he said all the right things. But in retrospect, he was actually kind of suffering from similar things that I was suffering. So it was just that toxic chemistry that we shared. Yeah. Where we thought, hey, this is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. Right. <laughs> Com- commiseration tends to feel pretty good. So, Right, wow. right. Okay, all right. I think it's important to people who might be suffering from the same thing to know that it's okay and things do get better. You just yeah. have to be open-minded and do some things to like, whether it's therapy or talking to other people, mm-hmm. um, no, letting them know that it's okay to get help and that there is help available and there is a way to get better from those things and right. overcome them. I think right. it's important. Excellent. I, I a hundred percent agree. I'm a, I'm a massive advocate for therapy and I re- having conversations with people, um, where I, I talk about like, Oh, you know, sometimes when you're having, tough times in life it's good if you see a therapist you can talk things out and you can create action plans to you know mm-hmm. work through it together and then oftentimes like while talking about that older people will say things like oh you you think I'm crazy you think I have mental issues and there's yeah. such a stigma with you know the older generation where they're like well if you talk to a therapist or a, a shrink you're you're a crazy person and how dare you call yeah. me a crazy person? And it's like, that's not what I was saying. Yeah. Well, and it, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because when I was uh, talking to my, I mean, I was in my late teens at this point, I wasn't even 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was having conversations with my mom while she was in Wisconsin and I was in Minnesota. And 
I think her not seeing what sort of state I was in, she really didn't understand what I was going through. And when I mm -hmm. told her I was seeing a therapist, she kind of um, gave some negative feedback to me that I wasn't expecting a mom mm -hmm. to give to her child. But it was because she didn't understand the extent of what I was going through. And she really didn't realize some of the things that I went through. Like this year, she I just opened up to her about some of the sexual assault that I experienced during that time. Mm. Um, like I kept, I didn't have a conversation with her about it. So she didn't understand all of the background information that, um, was involved with me falling down that path and yeah. the good that therapy brought out for me. So, um, it was, it was kind of interesting back then. And now that we're open with each other and more transparent with each other, she completely understands why I made that decision. And okay. she was like, I, I had no idea. And that wasn't her fault. That was me not opening up to her because sure. I was, you know, traumatized and yeah. scared at the same time mm -hmm. and really didn't know how to have a conversation with her about it. And it, and she comes from an old school generation, like you mentioned before, too, where, you know, things that were serious like that, they were told to push in the, you know, closet and not yeah. talk about them. Yeah, you could go to the doctor just, if you fell down the stairs and broke your leg. But if your heart is wounded and you're making poor choices as a result, that's not worth right. going to the doctor. You just need to right. suck it up, rub some dirt on it, and get back to work. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly some of the stuff they used to say to each other back then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So sp speaking of trauma, have are can you notice in your life to this day when some decisions you make or some sentiments that you may or may not have are trauma responses? Yes. So I actually have PTSD Okay. from some of the trauma that I experienced back then. And it's something that I'm continually working on. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm married now. I've been married for the last five years. My husband and I have, um, he stepped up to be the father to my daughter. Mm -hmm. And he's absolutely amazing. And he and I share two children together. They're two little boys. Oh, congratulations. Um, but it, it took some adapting for him. Like I have a problem with people like trying to touch my face oh. or poking me really hard in the shoulder. Like I have a huge issue with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's had to learn like how to like, if he wants to get my attention, he has to, he had to learn how to like grab me in a certain way where it wasn't going to cause me to freak out. <laughs> mm. Wow. He wasn't intending to hurt me. He was just trying to grab my attention. So it's it's things like that we've had to learn about each other because he's a veteran and he has PTSD as well, too. So mm. it was kind of a fun learning experience about <laughs> what triggers we each had. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that kind of that kind of tensed us up. Wow. Um, but yeah, we continually to we continue to work on them on a day by day basis just because it's part of who we are and um there is, like, we have healed, but, I mean, there's still those wounds. For sure. And things can happen unexpectedly mm -hmm. that we're, we're not planned, you know, we're not ready for. Yeah. And we, when we do go through those anxiety moments, we just have to do what we've learned through therapy and keep those steps in mind and go through those steps to cope with those moments. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad that you have somebody that understands that, you know, like the dealing with trauma is, can be like a lifelong endeavor. And it's cool that you, yeah. you have someone that you can work with things together and you guys can understand each other. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's great too, because, um, as dark as this might sound, um, mm. we're able to laugh too in those moments, which is good. Cause I yeah. think, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, PTSD, it's terrible. And yeah, it is to a point, but yeah. um, we've gotten to a point where we can like laugh about it with each other in some of the moments that we have just because, you know, something as like for him, for instance, when he first got back from Afghanistan, um, I have the tendency to not be very quiet about putting the toilet seat down <laughs> <laughs> and the noise of it was like... <laughs> making him jolt and kind of look over his shoulder. So yeah. he went to Menards or something like that and actually bought 
a slow falling toilet seat so that when I closed the toilet seat, it wasn't making that loud bang noise. Wow. And so we just kind of poke fun at each other for that kind of stuff. Okay. I'm into it. Well, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'm, I appreciate the solving of the problem. I dig it. Right. I dig it. All right. So then when you were, when you were 19, uh, what was family life like for you? You've mentioned your mom. Do you have any siblings? Was your dad in the picture then? Yeah, so I'm actually the youngest of six, and oh, wow. my parents are still married, and they're in their mid-70s, so they've wow. been married for almost 50 years now. Wow. 50 years now. Okay. Um, but, I mean, we grew up in a typical, you know, household. My dad did a lot of the work. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was home some of the time, but because he was a salesman, he was traveling the majority of the time. So he was in and out, but he, when he was in, he made an effort to hang out with us. And my mom was really good at making every celebration a big deal. So like for birthdays, she would make sure we all had our own custom cake. Like she would uh -huh. make cake from scratch and uh, dinner at the table was a big thing for us. We went on vacation together. We did um, small trips together. Um, our family is from New York, so um, okay. we would take road trips to New York and have fun that way. Like, we all got into these large vans and just would take long road trips together. There, Every four years, we went to Disney World. Um, oh, wow. Okay. And did that. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they did a lot to make us close to it with each other, and we're still pretty close today. Oh, that's good. And, uh, we are. Yeah, we actually just celebrated my oldest brother's 50th birthday part wow. birthday, so we had a party for that and Wow. Okay, we, so we still, if my math is correct, you, you were 19 when you got pregnant. Were you you were 20 mm -hmm. when you had her? Yes. Okay, correct. She's, and she's 17 now and you're so 13 years from oldest to youngest? Yes. Okay. 13, 13 12. 12 or 13. Okay. 12. It's actually 12. 12 years? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oldest. Okay. All righty. That's a big gap. Was, was everyone, were all of your other siblings out of college by that time? No. So my sister, who's closest in age to me, we're 14 months apart. So we actually went to the same college for quite a, for the my first and second year mm. we tried so it was really weird like her and i had a really close relationship growing up and then we went to college together and we tried living together that first year but we ended up just fighting each other all the time and not liking each other oh, and no. it really put a dent in our relationship and um mm. yeah after that i just when i moved to back to wisconsin to finish my college career out I mean, we still talked to each other, but we weren't nearly as close as we were when we were in high school. Hmm. So it was just really dy weird dynamic. Um, Interesting. We're, was... Yeah, we're mending that relationship now. So Good. like her and I talk more regu regularly. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually went to Minnesota to spend a week with her and her family with all of my kids. Um, so yeah, we're, we're taking steps to really mend that relationship because it was yeah. actually over a guy that we weren't close anymore. She was dating someone that I didn't approve of and, oh. um, yeah, so it just kind <laughs> of <laughs> <laughs> it, it <kinda laughs> made situations sticky for us, but sure. Wow. It, did they end up sticking together? Are they married now? No, she's actually, uh, married to someone different. Gotcha. Okay. So all right. Yeah. Uh, were you working at the time? No, I didn't work at that time when I got pregnant with my daughter. Okay. Uh, did you have any hobbies? No. Um, not like creative, productive hobbies. I actually would go... Minnesota, where we were at in the Twin Cities, had a really cool underground hip-hop scene, so I would hang out with some people that were part of that scene, and I would just go to shows. I, I guess you could consider that a hobby. I don't okay. know. Um, but that's mostly what I did in my spare time, and then I got really attracted to spoken word, and they have a really cool spoken word um, 
seen out there. So I would go to shows with spoken word poets and um, just kind of work on that a little bit with my writing, but I never had the courage to get up in front of a mic and actually try it out. Okay. Okay. So spoken word and hip hop digging it, which is a lovely segue to my next question. Uh, What was, was that the bulk of the music that you were into at the time? Um, Underground hip hop and spoken word type things, or did you have other musical influences that were really impactful to you at that moment in time? So I listened to a lot of um, Tool and Stained and okay. a lot of punk music like MXPX All <laughs> and right. Charlotte. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't really have a favorite genre of music. I like a little bit of everything. Okay. Okay. But you were, did you go to any like shows that were like punk or like heavier, like Stained or tool yeah there was there was a couple show i actually went to a kid rock show that was oh. interesting <laughs> and then uh godsmack oh, no. i've been to a couple of their shows okay i haven't made i haven't made it to a tool show though that would be really fun if i okay. could make it out to one of their shows all righty all right uh what was what was your typical routine like okay so uh, for this question were you um, were you skipping school a lot or were you just so traumatized by what was happening in life that you were just doing poorly in school? So I did start to skip some classes depending on the time of the day. But okay. what ended up happening was I was sleeping anywhere between 12 and 16 hours a day. That is in so, Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I was just so depressed. And then when I would wake up, it would, like, all of my classes would be done and over with. So I would catch up mm-hmm. online and I would I would do, like, overnights where I would stay up all night to catch up. Mm. So that probably didn't help my sleeping situation. Sure. But um, once I did catch up, then the next thing I would do is just go hang out at a party somewhere with friends and... We'd either drink or smoke. Right. Amidst the turmoil of that time, mm-hmm. did you have a projection for yourself? Uh, I imagine that you were focused, it's, it, insofar as school was concerned, you were just focused on, I just want to get this basics done. I just want to like get through it. Like I'm going to slog through it. Uh, did you have a projection for yourself at that time? Like these are the practical steps that you were taking to do something in the future at that time no because um i just was so depressed and angry Mm -hmm. i guess you could say that i just really was not thinking about anything else than other than like i had really bad suicidal thoughts at that time too Hmm. so it was just really hard for me to see a bright light at the end of the tunnel Cause I sure. just couldn't figure out what was going on with me in my head. Right. And, um, I mean, there was a situation where I was finally like, I really need to figure out what's going on and why this is happening because this is not normal for me. I'm generally pretty happy and cheery mm. and somewhere something happened where I'm not like that anymore. Sure. So that's when I decided to go see a therapist gotcha. and, um, start but- talking about things that were going on. Right. But that was after you had already discovered that you were pregnant and decided to keep the baby or no, this was before. Oh, okay. This was like right before. Okay. So So I was, so I was on the path of getting my life straightened out. Um, and I was, they actually prescribed me some medication and it was right after I started taking that medication that I found out that I was pregnant. So, Finding out that I was pregnant really kicked it in the high gear, telling myself, like, okay, you can't keep going down this dark pathway. Like, you have to get out of it. Like, you started therapy, you need to continue with therapy. Because when you start something, there's not always 100% guarantee that you're going to finish it, you know? It's kind of like going into rehab for a drug addiction. Like, when you get out of rehab, there's that chance that you might... um, go back into the drug addiction. Yeah. And I, 
like that was like my number one concern because I never did therapy before for anything because I was always too afraid to talk about my feelings to anyone. Mm-hmm. So when she said, okay, we're going to prescribe you this medication, um, they actually put me on the wrong medication where it was just making me feel worse. Oh, no. And then when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. So I actually went back to my therapist and I was like, look, this medication is making me feel worse. And I just found out that I was pregnant and I really cannot feel worse at this point. Like I need to figure my life out so that I can provide for this person Mm -hmm. that I'm like pregnant with. Like I can't, I can't fail at this recovery. I can't. So she ended up being able to prescribe me something else that was actually safe for the pregnancy. And then I, I took it from there. Gotcha. Did you ever entertain the thought that this baby saved your life? I say it all the time. Yeah. Okay. I say it still to this day. And I tell my daughter every day, you've, you saved my life and you have no idea how much I love you. Cause she doesn't. <laughs> we know that you were sleeping a lot partying when not and doing mm-hmm. the, the necessary classwork to the measure that you were in the meantime. Did you, mm-hmm. did you have any like wild aspirations for yourself? And like in the moments when you're by yourself, you know, eating a cheeseburger, <laughs> staring at the wall and you're, you're dreaming about what life could be for you. Did you have any hopes and dreams for life that, you know, those those crazy goals that you're like, oh, this will never happen, but what if sort of thing. Did you have any of those? Yeah, I always wondered what it would be like to be an actress or be in front of a camera sometimes because um, I did acting a little bit in high school and mm-hmm. I did some singing and it was actually really fun. I was also really good at softball and volleyball and basketball. So I was, was like, oh, what if, you know, what if I would have pursued that and sure. stuck with softball and didn't quit during high school? I could have probably been on a scholarship and been a famous softball player, right. basketball player or something. Um, and that was around the time, too, I think the WNBA was coming out. So mm-hmm. it was like, dang it, I missed it. I could have been like giants. this really cool basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Did you Do you know if you have any quirks about you? I'm sure I do. <laughs> I I would probably have to ask my husband on that one. Um, okay. Okay. I know I know I bite my lip when I'm nervous a lot. Okay. Um, and I guess it became noticeable to him because he was just like, "Why are you biting your lip?" So then he started like paying attention to it, and he's like, "When you're anxious or nervous about something, I can tell because you always bite your lip." And I never knew that I did that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. I also grind my teeth. Apparently, Ooh. I I just recently had to get a night guard because I was grinding them so bad. <laughs> yep. I needed a. I I used to do that when I was a a kid. I was probably. I don't know, somewhere between like 10 and 13, I started grinding my teeth and I had to go to the dentist and get fitted for one of those. It was a, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's pretty funny. And my husband also pointed out too, he's like, he's like, if there's something available for you to like fidget with, he's like, you'll, you'll do it. So, um, we were out at a restaurant and they gave us a straw, and I guess I was like twirling the straw wrapper mm. and wrapping, like wrapping it and unwrapping it, and like doing a bunch of origami stuff with it that I didn't even notice <laughs> I was doing. And he's just like, "Okay, you want another straw wrapper?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "You're about to destroy that straw wrapper," and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Whoops. But I guess if there's like something for me to hold and like fidget with, I'll I'll. I'll do that. Mm. I don't know. It's weird. Otherwise, then I bite my lip, I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay. These are great little little things here. Okay. All right. I think I think I have um, a good amount of information to craft a story for you. Now, um, full disclosure, uh, I can't promise that there's going to be a happy ending. And... 
Ooh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And if your decision was to be the mom to this child, you know, that that the child deserves, uh, I'm gonna entertain. Okay, maybe, maybe she, she, she's not this mom. Maybe she has the baby, tries to give up for adoption. Maybe that doesn't go through. You know what? I'm I'm gonna entertain like a measure of hardships. Um, and because you were in such a dark place, I think, I think I might do it as like an epic poem. That'd be really cool. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I'm just letting you know that this may not have a happy ending. There may be some 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 pretty dark timeline stuff happening in in this story. Um, just as a, a heads up. That's okay. I, I'm interested in seeing what you come up with. Cool beans. Cool beans. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll listen to a little bit of music. And when we come back, we're going to hear the story that I will have written for her, Megan called Other Megan. Stick around. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that brief musical break. Again, my guest today is Megan Zimba. If you'd like to follow her on the social medias, uh, she has a Facebook like page for her video podcast called Mavens of Manufacturing. She also has a YouTube channel under the same name, Mavens of Manufacturing. And you can find her on LinkedIn under Megan Zimba. That is M-E-A-G-H-A-N-Z-I-E-M-B-A or uh, under Mavens of Manufacturing there as well. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Are you ready for your story? I feel like we should just jump right into this mofo. Are you ready? I I am. I'm really excited. Excellent. 
Great. So just a reminder to everybody listening, uh, not every situation offers an opportunity for a happy ending. Um, and that's not to foreshadow anything. I mean, maybe it is for this story, uh, but that's just as a heads up. The, the goal of this is not to fix wrongs or to always create sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes life gets dark, you know, when we make choices and sometimes we escape the darkness with our choices. So let's see what happens to other Megan in this story. Here we go. This is the story of other Megan. Clang, clang, clang. The weights she lifts up and down echo their high-pitched wails as they cry out in competition with the sounds of the room. Clang, clang, clang. Her grip is waning. The bar betwixt her fingers peels back from her hands, eager for its ascent to the top of the rack. Let me go, she hears chiming in her mind. The bar is not impressed with her efforts. This iron bar, this purified iron bar, does not care. She wants to get better to be stronger for the rest of her life. The aching in her stomach and the sweat on her brow relay the painful memory she wears proudly. Listen here, Bar. Why do you look at me so? You're cold and hard and your shape is a finished one, but I mean to grow. These hands of mine, they toil in this stupid gym as I push, pull, lift, and row. You're merely a means to an end, so you can blow me. Other Megan chastises the inanimate metal bar on the rack before her. She's had the flu for weeks, it seems, and her frustration with the toll it has taken forms a mountain in her mind with a peak that climbs into the never-ending sky. She eyes the ground beneath her feet. The base of this crag is steep with no path to ascend. In her mind's eye, she lifts herself to the heavens. Thrust into the eternal vacuum of space, she holds her breath waiting to see the st the top of her anger. As she closes the distance, effigies materialize on the bluffs before her. All the versions of who she has been and sought to be are impaled and their bodies left dangling over the expanse below. A crown of thorns fitted atop the obscured summit, whose adornments are her bodies in throw. Other Megan wheezes out and then gasps again, holds her breath, hugging the trapped air tightly within her chest. Reminded of her human fragility, her body wretches as she desperately sucks in air, violently coughing while her body fights to return to its normal breathing. The afternoon light pierces through the cracks in the blinds, poking at other Megan's sleeping eyes. Rest from her dream state, she peels her blanket back and drops it on the floor. Swimming in sweat and urine, she groans as she clenches her torso as she fights the weariness in her bones and sits upright. Her head... Dizzy from dehydration, sees the room spinning like a carousel. Gripping the mattress as tightly as her small hands could, she stabilizes herself without completely ceasing to teeter subtly. Her eyes closed, shunning the daylight. She focuses on the weightlessness she feels. Breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth of her Megan. Just breathe. She comforts herself before being interrupted by an unexpected expulsion of breakfast and dinner and all the drinks in between. She vomits on her lap and it spills on the floor. Fuck. Sometime later, other Megan smiles sweetly at the exhausted reflection dimly lit in the bathroom mirror. She examines the weariness in her eyes. She traces the soft outline of her face from her jaw to her hairline with her eyes. Her tired hand rises and touches the mirror palm to palm with her reflection. You can do this. You're strong. It's just a little pee. You can do this. Her encouraging words empower her. She touches her dimpled cheek and boops, the, uh, boops her self in the mirror where her nose sits. Her eyes rise and stares into the hypnotic swirls of the starry night printed shower curtain behind her. Don't get distracted, other Megan. Just do it. I don't even wear Nikes. Just, okay. The directions say step one. Remove the plastic cap to expose the absorbent window. Okay, easy enough. Cap removed. Step two, point the absorbent tip directly into the urine stream. Gross. Uh, take the sample for at least seven to ten seconds to ensure that an adequate sample is collected by the testing device. Wait, do I have to pee on this thing for ten seconds straight? Do I even have that much pee in me right now? Come on, Other Megan. Other Megan reluctantly completes step two. Ugh, what's step three? Recap the device and place it horizontally on a clean, flat surface. Wait, five minutes for the test to finish processing. So pink line is pregnant, no line is not pregnant. All righty. 
Now we wait. Other Megan places the applicator on the sink, washes her hands and sits on the floor in front of the basin and loses herself in the infinite swirls of Van Gogh's twirly mess of a night sky and all its beautiful lights. She counts for two of the ten minutes she intends to sit and wait but stops at 120. She mouths for more but nothing comes. Her tongue is silent and her mind is bereft of what comes next. Heavy as nails, her eyelids shut sharply and her mind fills with all the possible lives she imagines she no longer has the opportunity to live. Whispering to herself, she says, Now I'll never get to be an actress or an architect or a baker or a bobsledder or CEO or court-appointed attorney or cashier for that matter. I'm too young to be a mom. What are you doing to me, child? You're taking everything from me and I was never going to have... You're taking everything from me that I was never going to have anyway. But now you're giving me someone else to blame. I will resent you. I'll punish you. Not because anything is your fault. You're perfect, I'm sure. But you exist, and that is the end of me. Hopefully you don't exist. Disgusted with herself, she continues, Ugh, other Megan, why would you say something like that? And to a baby? You're a monster. This baby made me a monster. I had a future. You of all people's self know what happens when a child has a baby. I'm a child. I don't know why I'm talking to myself like I'm having a conversation, but you need to hear this. You are not a child. You're an adult. You're on a path, a good path. Therapy's been good. You've been getting out of bed after only seven hours of sleep instead of 16. You started attending classes again. Nice. You're paying for them. You and Carlton. Oh, God. I'm going to have to tell Carlton about his baby. What if I don't? Look, I will. Look. Life was awful, right? But you're making your way to something better. You are better. I am better. I love me. Other Megan stands and with shaky hands takes hold of the pregnancy test. She lifts it. One stripe is just a scare. Two stripes, one of which is pink, changes everything. Her nerves and hesitancy cause her to drop it into the sink. Not wanting to experience this moment alone, she grabs the test, stuffs it into its box, and throws the box into her messenger bag. She slings it over one shoulder and sprints out of the room. Furiously texting Carlton, she says, meet me at the water tower in 20 minutes. Please. Why? Because I want to see you. I need to see you. Yeah, but, but why? Why does it matter? Just, just fucking meet me. Rude. Fine, I'll be there in 22 minutes. You're going to have to wait for me. Whatever. Just be there. You know the spot. The darkest bench of the three. I said I would. Yanking on the brakes, other Megan's bicycle's tires squeal as she pulls up to their spot. Behind the Prospect Park water tower sit three benches. The darkest of the three, the middle, became their bench. They would sit when it was cold and warm each other with tight squeezes, the bench with their bottoms and themselves with whatever they were smoking that day. Carlton is nowhere to be found. Typical, she snorts. Slowly, she walks to the bench and gingerly places her bag next to her. The waning sunlight pokes through the trees and kisses her cheeks with a warm orange glow. With the warm sun slinking off to sleep, the evening chill begins to creep in. It climbs up her legs along her spine before nipping at the nape of her neck. She shivers it away and stares out toward the west and stares down the sun as it bows. Other Megalodon, where are you? Don't call me that, and I'm right here, in the bench I said I would be. You never said you'd be there just to meet you here. Why are you being such a jerkbag today? Today, I'm always like this. You usually laugh. What's up your butt? Nothing. I need you to look at this. I was going to do it by myself in my bedroom, but I don't know. I couldn't do it. Do what? Look at what? Carlton takes a small step back, eyeing her suspiciously. Other Megan retrieves the pregnancy test and hands him the box. Wait, are you? Carlton stutters. I don't know. Carlton, I didn't look. You do it. If there are two lines, we're having a baby. No, we're not. You are. I want nothing to do with a baby. I'm a baby. I don't have time for a child. How can you say that, Carlton? We would be having a I didn't, I didn't make this thing by myself. There is no we. There's a baby involved, period. There better not be, I swear to God. Carlton pulls the test from the box buried deep in her bag. Two stripes is pregnant and one stripe is not. Yes, okay. How many stripes, other Megan asks, biting hard on her lip, her mouth fills with the taste of iron. Ten years later, a priest stands before a small gathering. The weather is balmy. He looks out before the crowd and hesitates. His lips pause. Agape, he bows his head. I cannot offer anyone here any comfort. Sometimes the world is a scary place. 
Sometimes it is a glorious place, and sometimes a tragic place. Today, the world is a tragic place. Someone lost a daughter. Others lost a sister. We lost a friend. She was taken from us by her own grief. I know some of you are going to blame yourselves for not doing more to help her, for not speaking out against some of her actions that proved to be dangerous, fatal. Don't. She was so full of pain, she dealt with it the only way she thought she could. Life does not always make sense. Let us build for her a legacy that we can take with us. She taught us something today. The lesson is no matter what measure of pain we may experience, so long as we draw breath, we can experience love. We can give it and receive it, and sometimes that will be enough to help heal. She's taught us that when we suffer in silence, we tend to let ourselves down. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe we can take this opportunity to learn how to love ourselves. Goodbye, other Megan. You're survived by your five siblings, your two parents, and if he survives, a long-term boyfriend you might, who might just make his way to see you soon. We love you. The end. That's, wow. Well, I'm glad that's, that's not how it ended. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm speechless. I don't know. It. I think the reason why I'm like so blown away by it is because I feel like that's where my story would have headed if I didn't turn it around Mm -hmm. and make a conscious decision to just be positive and be stronger Mm -hmm. because I was in such a dark place for so long and yeah. Yeah. And I know you said that you were, you were going to therapy and things were looking good and you were, you know, taking some steps, but I feel like in, in the early onset of, of the steps we take to get better, you know, we're so fragile and sometimes like one thing can knock us so far off of where we're headed, you know, that we can't Mm -hmm. recover. So. Well, yeah. And I, I feel like too, you know, there's so many people out there that are struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, they start going in the right direction to be better people. But then they'll they'll hit a bump in the road or something and they feel mm-hmm. like that's it. There's no more, no more other chances for them. And then they fall suit with something else. And yeah. it just, it kind of reminds me, I had a, I actually had a friend who recently just passed away because of suicide Mm. and he was struggling with alcoholism for so long. Mm -hmm. He ended up um, going to prison for too many DUIs. Mm. So within that time frame that he was in prison, he actually got sober. And then when he came out of prison, he um, was struggling so hard to maintain his sobriety. And he actually, had a call for help on social media. And I was one of the few people that saw that. And I instant messaged him and I was like, hey, I know this is where you were living last. I don't know if this is still the case, but if it is, here are some places that you can go to to try to get help Mm -hmm. in that area. And he was like, you're the only person that actually messaged me and offered me help. Mm. And he picked up a guitar and started learning guitar. And then one day he was selling his guitar. And then like three days later, he was no longer with us. And it's just really sad because I feel like a lot of people who struggle, if they can just, you know, get over those bumps, they can see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, But sometimes they just don't reach it and decide to go the other route. So that, yeah, really reminded me of my friend and it's like just wow I'm glad that that's not (laughs) (laughs) the true ending of my story but it I that was really well well written and thank you very much for that I enjoyed it very much good I'm glad really you you have a really 
interesting talent where you can take someone's life story and mm -hmm. create a different story. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I, it's helpful because it just confirms that I made the right decision. The ending too, like, you know, I've been to those funerals where mm -hmm. people have ended their life and it's just really sad. Mm -hmm. It's really sad. And, um, yeah, you, you try to learn a lot from that stuff, but so many people who've suffered from mental illness or mental health issues, mm -hmm. even going to those funerals sometimes isn't an eye opener for them and they just yeah. continue to spiral down too. And it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, really good. it's tough, man. I feel like as humans, there's there's a certain measure of like visceral satisfaction that we get from extremes, right? So the extreme version of an emotional state like hits us in a place where there's a part of us that's satisfied. And so it's it's to our benefit when, you know, that and thing that we're experiencing is either happiness or joy or uh, love or selflessness or hope. But sometimes like we latch on to anger and fear and self-loathing and other things that are self-destructive. Um, and I think one of the, one of the tough things, one of the toughest lessons to learn is how to divert ourselves from one of the self-destructive facets of the emotional extreme to, you know, the other side so we can not spend time hurting ourselves and instead, you know, dwell on the hopeful or joyous or happy things that we can, you know, it's tough. Yeah. But it's, I, it's definitely a process of a mind shift. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people are out there saying, well, it's not as easy as it sounds. And they're right. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's something that I still continue to struggle with today. I, I have clinical depression and mm -hmm. I have, if I get too overwhelmed with things on my plate, it's a lot harder for me to deal with, but I just have to keep reminding myself there are things that I can do to adjust my mind mindset. And mm -hmm. there's things that I can, you know, I have to, I don't want to say force because it sounds like it's harder than it actually is sometimes, but right. I, I, that's what it is. I'm forcing myself to do something to yeah. distract myself from those negative thoughts. And then it does, it helps. Like we were on vacation for a week in Tennessee and I, I use working out and exercise as a way to just kind of reset myself and it helps a lot. So mm. when I don't exercise for a long period of time, that's when my anxiety and my depression really kick in. Mm. And um, because I wasn't working out, yeah, I was on vacation. I was having fun. But when we got back yesterday, um, it really hit me. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this sucks. So I just sat on the couch for like two hours, been watching TV, and that was probably not the best choice ever. But... <laughs> You know, things yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, I think what what what's helpful though is that is when we can recognize. Oh, this is this is where I am right now. I think yeah. that's because I mean, how 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 much time do we spend like in really depressed states, and we never realize it, mm -hmm. right? And then we just we just keep doing things that are harmful because we we're the, the self-awareness just isn't there in that moment, you know, where we can take a, take a moment and step outside the moment and be like, Oh snap. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm like actively hurting myself because this I'm experiencing this, this situation or this thing, or just there's that chemical thing happening in my brain right now where there's an imbalance and I'm sad. Right. Yeah. And it's not, inspired by anything that i've experienced it's just this is where my brain's at right now uh but it helps if we can identify it and i, I remember the first time that happened to me i was like i made myself some dinner this was a bunch of years ago i made myself some dinner and i sat down to have dinner and i was it was it was a good day right i was having a good day up until this point and then i took a bite and i just rested my head on my hand with my elbow on the table and i felt this 
this wash come over me and I was just like deeply like wounded and I was like chewing slowly and spit it back in the plate. I was just grossly unhappy with everything. And I was like, what's going on right now? I'm depressed. I'm depressed right now. What happened? You know? And it's just one of those things. Yeah. So, but as long as people can recognize it and understand and know that sometimes it's harder than just saying to get over it. If they can just get through those moments, that's all they are is moments. And better days are coming. And Mm -hmm. um, it's just sad because some people just get so overwhelmed with that process. And yeah, I think they don't think there's any other alternative. Yeah. The thing that helps me the most I have learned is if ever I'm in a situation where I'm unhappy or impatient or whatever, I just remind myself, just blink. Just blink and it'll be three months from now. Just blink. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, and so like if I ever get to like bogged down by the situation or I feel like, oh, this is lasting so long. You know what? Okay, I'll just blink. I'll just blink and it'll be all right. So, so there was one thing I threw in there that I was hoping you would catch. The do you the did you hear my description of the shower curtain? Yeah, I was curious about that. The the star Van Gogh's Starry Night. Yeah, it it. I can't remember if I told you about my tattoo. It was. If I, that's why. <laughs> I threw it in there because of your tattoo, but I okay. had I had seen like I was looking at your um uh I was looking at your like your Maven's uh I was like watching some of your videos and stuff going over and there was one where I could see like a piece of it poking out of the your sleeve and I was like where do I know that from and then I just I looked and I was like there it is starry night and so I'm gonna throw that in there let's see if she catches it. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, did I tell him about my tattoo? And it's funny because I actually just finished my sleeve. I nice. um, um, I still have one more piece to work on it, but I got most of it done. But I uh, also included um, Edward Munch's uh, Scream painting. Mm. And then uh, the artist was able to incorporate all three of my kids' birth flowers. Aww. So it just looks like one solid painting from the same artist nice. it's, it's really cool and That's it's dope. something that i'm really proud of wearing because um um the initial tattoo artist that i had do the starry night tattoo he actually decided that he wanted to live on a sailboat so he <laughs> um purchased the sailboat and now he's sailing um, oh, wow. all over the place Good and it's really hard to get an appointment with him because he never knows where he's going to be. And, uh, oh, and wow. eventually he wants to end up on uh, the other side of the world near Europe somewhere and mm. just live off of his sailboat and do tattooing in the interim. Wow. And uh, it's it's definitely hard to get him. So I um, spent three years looking for someone with the same artistic ability as him mm. and finally found someone. And I explained it to him. I was like, I really wanted to look similar to this and blend in with it. And he did a really fantastic job by wow. blending it. And it looks like it's just one artist, but it's actually two. Dope. So I'm wow. super stoked about it. And I'm glad that you actually put that in there. Yeah. But I was like, I can't remember if I told him about that tattoo or not. <laughs> those are, those are my favorite, my favorite moments in the stories that I write. Just those little bitty nuggets that no one uh, no absolutely nobody is going to care that that I mentioned that except for you yeah I I enjoyed it I also enjoyed to in the beginning the like descriptions of you know me talking to myself while I'm working out because that's definitely a consistent thing and just cussing at myself sometimes (laughs) I cuss out loud and people are like are you okay and I'm like no I'm just really angry that I'm not (laughs) getting this workout the way that I want to so I appreciated that as well, too. And especially the ending, because even though that's not my true ending, I Mm. was able to turn myself around. That is something that I've always thought of um, when I was suicidal, like who would show up at my funeral and how would you like, you know, just weird stuff like that. Like, 
what would be said? How mm-hmm. would people feel? Would they really be sad? Would people actually show up or would they be angry with me? Would they resent me if I right. made that decision? And I feel like you depicted that really well because it's always been like something in the back of my mind if I were to go that route, how mm. how people would feel and if people would actually show up or if my mom would be like, nope, we're not doing anything. She's selfish. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Oh, don't yeah. tell anyone. She just disappeared. We don't yeah. care. <laughs> no, we, don't, we don't know. She's uh, running. She's just jogging yeah. around the whole world. She's jogging. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm, I'm glad it didn't go down like that. I'm glad it didn't go down like that. Me too. But thank you. This is this has been an amazing experience. And you have, like I said before, you have a great talent. And thank it's you. awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. That being said, I think this is a good place to wind things down. My guest again today is, is Megan Zimba. Please find her on social medias, on her Facebook like page of mavens of manufacturing you can see some of the videos of uh the podcast that she runs here give us like a quick a quick little nugget of your show please so mavens of manufacturing is a live video broadcast series that i do every friday and it's just highlighting and spotlighting the amazing women in the manufacturing and engineering sectors because it's mostly a male-dominated sector it Mm -hmm. has been for years and you know, women are up and coming now over the last five years and hopefully going forward, you'll see more amazing women. And it's just sharing their stories of what they're doing and some of the products that they're creating and um, milestones that they're reaching and the new standards that they're setting. And mm-hmm. we're, you know, it's it's an attempt to diversify manufacturing as well as attract younger generations because there's the skills gap going on and Manufacturing is a vital component in mm-hmm. U.S. economics, and yeah. we'd want to make it a strong um, point in our econ- our economy because we really need it. And yeah. there's a lot of interesting things going on, especially with like space exploration or medical exploration. Um, there's so many amazing things out there, and this this series helps spotlight those amazing things. Awesome. Excellent. Check her out on YouTube as well. Look up Mavens of Manufacturing. Find her on LinkedIn, Megan Zimba or Mavens of Manufacturing. Thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. Keep following the show, guys. Only a couple more episodes before the season finale in just a couple weeks. IMD, this was Megan. For right now, we out. Come back next week for another episode. Follow on social medias on Twitter at OtherUPodcast, on Instagram at OtherU underscore podcast. We out. Bye. Bye.